Well, welcome back, everybody. You know, we are now more than 10 weeks into the uh, stay-at-home or safer-at-home order. It's hard to believe it, uh, Cecile. Uh, how are you doing? You know, I think I'm doing about the same way that most people are doing. Mm-hmm. I'm coping. There are some days where I feel good and maybe sometimes great, and there are some days where I just feel like I'm climbing the walls. But today's mm-hmm. a good day. For me, I feel sometimes that maybe I feel a little guilty about it. Maybe I've, I've gotten used to it to a certain point. Is this my new normal? Am I okay with doing what I'm doing? As, as I tell my friends, the only thing missing out of my daily routine is is really the gym, really. Yeah. Other than that, I'm still going into work. It's a limited staff, but have I gotten used to it? You know, that's... But I think many of us um, have gotten used to it, and that's mm-hmm. normal, Juan. We, as human beings, are adaptive. That is that is basically our job to survive on the planet, is to adapt to what's changing. But I think it's important, and what we want to explore in today's podcast is, uh, is what have we, as humans, learned? How has this changed us, the social distancing? Um, how it has changed us as individuals, mm-hmm. how it has changed us as a workforce and as a community. And that's one of those words that came out almost right off the bat with the safer at home orders and the stay at home orders uh, was social distancing. A lot of For a lot of us, it was the first time we even heard this. So stay, many different ways right, to Stay to six feet apart. Um, and for, for a lot of people who work, who socialize, who wait in line one after the other, even at Starbucks, as we've mentioned in the past, how hard is it to stay six feet away from somebody? And and it's not in our nature to do that. And also, I think just the term social distancing has made us feel a lot of different things that that um, are not always positive, mostly negative. We have in our natural routines, we as Americans have mm-hmm. our own personal space. We all have talked to people from different parts of the world who their sense of personal space is different than ours, and, and that's normal. But I think that the fact is that Maybe the the term um, could have been something different. Mm. And it is funny when you hear social distancing, and we were just talking about personal space, um, it almost was a joke. When somebody would get into your space, you're like, hey, buddy, you're in my personal space. Well, now people are giving others six feet of personal space, and they're having a problem. And people get really upset. I've I've been at the grocery store when someone seems to to not be paying attention and get a little closer. Approach a little bit. Yeah, people Mm -hmm. get completely out of control. I remember, I'm I'm a fan of Seinfeld. Remember that episode of the the close talker? If if you watch Seinfeld, (laughs) that was that was people. It was really funny because we are so protective of our personal mm-hmm. space but the minute it became um something that we that was taken away from us for for very positive reasons but we felt very negatively about it uh it is really bringing to light a lot of deep emotions and but the first thing i think it's important mm-hmm. for us to to really talk about is i think that the name social distance w- was wrong i think mm-hmm. a better way to to articulate why we needed to to have this physical distance between us is so that we could be safer from our health perspective and 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 help those who have compromised compromised immune system. It's the same thing with wearing masks. I wear a mask to protect myself, but also to protect you. And I think um, society has really gotten a little more used to um, social distancing. I see it at supermarkets. I see it at stores where they put the red X on the on the floor for you to stand and people are respecting it and they're respecting what's going on right now. That's right. And, you know, if we think about it, we, we 
created our own self-quarantining. Any any person who ever called in sick to work because they had the flu, right. we created our own self social distance. We mm-hmm. created our own uh, isolation. But now, because it's taken away from us, it we we now are at a point where we're having such negative feelings about it. And so the question is, how do we how do we process that? And and again, how has this affected us? And and how are we going to be better for it? It has affected every part of our life. We're hearing a lot more people talk about that now. How do we feel about things? Uh, what is it that we miss? And what has this done to the way we come back to work? All right, so the term social distancing, Cecile, for some people, it has an immediate guttural negative effect, doesn't it? Yes, it does, because it hits the very nature of who we are as human mm-hmm. beings. Uh, the work that we do every day with, with my team, we focus on what makes humans connect best, what leads one person to be able to motivate and inspire others. And that is the the engagement, the contact, the communication. And so the minute you tell really the world uh, and the people in it that you have to shelter at home, you have mm-hmm. to isolate yourself, and you remove yourself from the day-to-day physical engagement and the physical contact with the people that you love the most, as well as the people that are what we call casual encounters. When you go to that proverbial Starbucks to order your coffee every morning on the way to work, they may mm-hmm. not know your name, but you recognize each other. That That's hard on a human being. And the social distancing has basically uh, made us uh, very, uh, very conscious of this. Uh, right now, as you said, going to a Starbucks or going to a coffee shop to pick something up may have been part of your daily That's routine. Right. You didn't think about it. You stood in line. You you picked whatever you wanted to eat, and off you went. But now you're being told you can't do it. That's right. And any change is hard for a human being, especially this change that that came with really the fear of death. So we are put in a really vulnerable position. We're put in a position where we feel like just simply leaving our house, we could be risking our very own Mm -hmm. life when we, especially as Americans, were very free. We valued how much we packed in a day. We were very busy people. We live in California, you and I, and we have the benefit of sunshine almost Mm -hmm. 365 days a year. There are people that had up until recently, until we relaxed some of the, the social uh, distancing regulation, people hadn't even gone outside or to a park. And mm-hmm. human beings, we need that connection. We need sunshine. We need engagement. Uh, our very bodies in our nature is to connect and to engage and be part of a society. Our very being, we need human touch and human connection um, to, to really thrive. There's there are some really interesting studies. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, a woman uh, doctor in uh, out of NYU. She has a, an institute that basically is tracking the effects of social distance, the lack of human connection mm-hmm. on human beings. She started her particular focus because of the disintermediation technology had cost, the, the distance between people. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. all of us being on our phones and our tablets. And what she found out is that since the the rise of smartphones and technology, human beings are connecting less, mothers are connecting less with their children, uh, and we had already started this sense of isolation. Well, social distancing brought it to a completely different level. What's interesting, I've seen it at, at restaurants, you'll have four different people sitting at a table, everyone will be on their smartphone, nobody's even talking to each other, That's but they're right. sitting there together, basically isolated together from alone. each other, together yeah. alone. So. I think it always happens to be when someone tells you you can't do something. Correct. That's when everything is really highlighted. I mentioned to somebody, what's the easiest way to get somebody to do something? Tell them they can't do it. 
as, as a kid, don't play with that. Don't touch that. And the right. minute your parent left the room, you want that's exactly what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that this research um, brought to light is, in previous research, certainly this was done uh, decades ago, especially on children that were orphaned during war, is the effects on a baby who is not held or touched by another human being X percentage of time during a week, mm-hmm. they found out that their immune systems don't develop uh, as as they should because of a lack of human touch. Now, as we go into, as you said, beyond week 10 of, of COVID, we are beginning to talk about this. People are fearing, feeling a lot more anxious. People are feeling mm-hmm. a loneliness. People are feeling um, also even almost a, an anger yeah. uh, because they can't. They I, can't I do feel the people that I come into contact with, the, the people that I still see at work, are definitely a lot more open about sharing their feelings and their emotions. They'll volunteer it even without you asking. Um, I volunteered to a coworker yesterday. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm starting to finally, you know, feel like I'm little. This is getting to me a little bit. And yes. and she was very um, receptive to it. She said she's been feeling that way for the last two weeks. And we had a little bit of an exchange and. I felt better about it. That's right, because you had that human connection at work. Mm -hmm. And think of it, we were supposed to feel even more connected with all the technology, with being able to to, uh, text someone or Instagram someone as advancements in smartphones and technology happen. Mm -hmm. There was even a term that came out in the 90s that it was called the death of distance. What what it meant was... What is that? Well, it means that we, there's no longer this vast distance between people because we can get email anytime. We can, right. uh, back, back then, you know, Facebook was growing and, and meant that we could always be connected. But what did this do? What mm-hmm. did being isolated, most people have Zoom and anything else yeah. that they can think of from a technology perspective that they can connect and feel close together, which it helps. But the truth of it is nothing will replace the human connection, eye to eye, space to space. Mm-hmm. And I think... What we're learning from this, because I always look at how do we grow as human beings, even from very painful things, and what this shows about your character and your nature, mm-hmm. I think we can learn a lot of wonderful things about the fact that alone together it has made us think about what makes us a strong community, a strong family, a strong coworker, mm-hmm. and hopefully after this we can come back to the workforce stronger and better, more empathetic mm-hmm. and more compassionate. Well, I do have to say, going back to technology, I'm so thankful for it. Do you ima- could you imagine not having technology oh to God. connect with family and friends? My 81-year-old mother on Mother's Day uh, used FaceTime. She wanted to see my face oh. on Mother's Day. So um, if we wouldn't have had that, it would have been a different story. I remember in high school, in junior high school, waiting for my pen pal to send back a letter, That's which right. might take a month. That's right. You know, now, like you were saying, with email, FaceTime, Zoom, um, it's so instantaneous that thank goodness we have that for a lot of people that we have that even minimal connection, at least being able to see and hear somebody. That's right. And how has this affected your mother? I've got to tell you, for, for, for me personally, you know me, Juan, for mm-hmm. many, many years, I am not a technocrat. No, you're I, not. <laughs> <laughs> I am the kind of person that uh, when when I get a new phone, thank God for my assistant, um, I hand it to him and it comes back to me already programmed. You press here, you press here. And I think I do all of three things on my phone, which mm-hmm. is email, text, and and. I usually use it as an actual phone. And I know that I've had to embrace a lot of things that I just didn't want to. Um, But how has this affected your mother? Because she is 81 years old. How has it affected her? I have to say, I think she feels closer to her children because um, my sister who works in a hospital and in a dialysis center, 
Um, She has decided not to come around my mother during this time and with the children just because of her age and she doesn't want to possibly pass along anything to her. But um, she has been able to use FaceTime or WhatsApp video messaging. Because your mother is very right. social. She's very social and she's very tech savvy. This woman is on Facebook. This woman knows what's My going God. on. So, I feel bad for um, myself now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? And, and I'm so happy because after my dad passed away, Facebook really was a way for her to connect to people and not feel alone when she was sitting at home alone. She would scroll through Facebook and she would see what her friends were doing. She'd comment. She'd uh, join on uh, video chats with, with other people. Um, so it's been a blessing so to think, her. Think about that. We all at one time or another have used the phrase, people don't change. It's really hard to change. Mm-hmm. And we also say, oh, past a certain age, you're not going to change. I'm stuck in my ways. And I think if there is also one thing that this crisis has revealed to all of us mm-hmm. is that we can change and adapt very quickly. Because mm-hmm. really, in, in a matter of 24 or 48 hours, the whole world changed. Right. Our entire life changed. The way we work, the way we connect, it it changed forever. And, uh, and out of change always comes very difficult things but Mm -hmm. also very powerful things and and very powerful memories people used to say uh what what were you doing during world war ii that was a common bound right right uh that the greatest generation as Mm -hmm. it's called uh, shared with each other i think all of us will always connect to this we'll all say what were you doing during the crisis and how did it affect you or even sooner uh where were you when john f kennedy was shot a lot of people at that time that collective memory of americans Mm -hmm. they knew exactly where they were when that happened it was a defining moment it was mm-hmm. such a such a crisis and that was not global although it affected mm-hmm. the whole world because of our role as a country to the rest of the world but this affected the entire world yeah. and and it's affecting the workforce and it's another area that we all have to be very mindful of and i think that the way we come back to work because the way the workforce is it's completely changed yeah. this crisis has been a, a great uh equalizer and unifier mm-hmm. it there there is no industry or profession that is not affected by it mm-hmm. unlike the crash in 2008 which specifically or more specifically focused on the financial services mm-hmm. industry real estate and mm-hmm. real estate and banking right. this is not only every industry but every every part of the world we're in los angeles you and i and so the entertainment capital of the world as it's called mm-hmm. think about the movies how are they going to be made? Are we ever really going to go back to going to a movie theater right. the way we used to? What has that affected all of those jobs? I, I have a, a good friend who is a sound editor for big concerts. Mm-hmm. Well, he's sitting back thinking. He's waiting, right? Well, we already know that, at least in Los Angeles, they don't anticipate any big gatherings until 2021. So what right. does this person do? He had a very specific craft. It's affected every single profession it's affected the very nature of the way we work and how we think Mm -hmm. about going back to work think about it the hollywood bowl canceled their entire 2020 season and that for the people who live out here in los angeles it's such a wonderful experience to go with your friends you're singing you're dancing along you're sitting in those tight garden box seats talk about social distancing you can't social distance in 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 a situation like that and if we can't go back to that it's it's really gonna and it's part of our mm-hmm. life, aside from the revenue that it creates for the city sure. and, and the jobs that it creates, it's part of our daily ritual and our, and our, and our the rhythm of our life. Yeah. You and I have gone to the Hollywood Bowl sure. many times. Uh, there are people that are right next to me because I have the same seats. I'm fortunate enough to have the same seats every year. There are people that are usually next to me. I don't even remember their names, but it 
you I, recognize yes, their face. They recognize there's yours. Feeling. There's a connection. Yes, yeah. and and that's gone. Um, and in terms of the jobs, we all have to think about how we're going to feel coming back to work. This is something that a mm-hmm. lot of people are talking about mm-hmm. now, and they should be talking about is not only the logistics of how are you going to make your your office um ready and safe following the guidelines with social distancing and cleaning those believe it or not in my mind are the easy pieces because that's just tactical and logistics what's much harder is the emotional part and not how we as employers because I, i i have my own firm how we are going to have the empathy and the compassion and create the right environment for the employees to come back right. because there might be some that say, I, I don't I don't feel comfortable. Right. There might be some that say, I've been equally as effective working from home and I'd like to do that instead of spending an hour on traffic to go 20 miles in a city like Los Angeles. Right, and then there's coworkers who enjoy that five-minute coffee chat by the coffee maker and um, have that connection. And that is important. And so how do you how replace that? How do you do that? that, right. How do you replace that? That's what makes us feel alive. That's what makes us feel connected. And for most people in this country who work very hard and very long hours, um, they now realize how important and how much your coworkers, even if those who maybe you didn't get along with sure. as well, but they were part of the very fabric of your yeah. life. So how do you replace that? Even the ones you rolled your eyes at. Exactly. They made you feel good in a way, um, seeing them every day at work. Yeah. It gave you a sense of normalcy, which Correct. has now been shattered for a lot of people. Correct, because they were your quote unquote work family. How many of us say, I spend more time at work than I did at sure. home? And you know, speaking of home, that's also something that has to shift. What if your 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 new career or your mm-hmm. job can work from home? How are you going to make that shift to make it be effective for you and have this feeling that you can li- live your life and also have your work life separated from your personal life? What if you don't have a choice? And speaking of social distancing, Cecile, one of the largest tech companies, Twitter and Square, just announced a short time ago, if workers choose, they can choose to work from home forever. Jack Dorsey, the founder and CEO of mm-hmm. Twitter, who then subsequently acquired Square, mm-hmm. is, if anything, very much a visionary. Um, and he really is is one of those leaders that really believe in creating a great and supportive culture for his firm. And I think he's done, a, a, obviously, a tremendous job at that. But by making that a possibility, which is great, He's also creating um, a, a decision in a situation for a lot of the workers who might want to come back, mm-hmm. who miss the the social distance that they now get to choose, that physical distance that they mm-hmm. now get to choose if they want to keep permanently or not. Um, it is also going to have a, a big effect um, in the real estate market because if most people or a lot of people are not going to work from home, what is going to happen to all this space? What is going to happen to to all this real estate? And if they make the corporate decision, the companies mm-hmm. make the decision to allow the people to work from home and they shrink and shrink their footprint of their office, then you you perhaps may not be able to choose to come back. And so what right. what tools are you using? How are you going to tweak your life to be able to get the human connection and the engagement right. that you want? Because now the choice is in your lap Correct. to make. And while you can still be physically distant, you don't necessarily have to be socially distant. And I think that's what a lot of us are going to be dealing with as this world changes. That's right. And I think that that's why we we talked at the top of this podcast. We talked about 
perhaps this was a misnomer. I know that the governor of California, uh, uh, Gavin Newsom, and as well as the mayor of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, Garcetti, they are they were really smart in saying it's not social distancing. It's really physical distancing. Right. And I think that this is where we really need to expand this conversation amongst ourselves and certainly among our employees and our families and our friends that how do we now allow ourselves to have a physical distance, um, either our choice or, or mm-hmm. imposed on us, but how do we connect better as human beings? How do we make a stronger connection and bond with each other? Because we're seeing it in our personal life, um, uh, in, especially in relationships and in families. Um, the, the impact that, let's call it uh, isolation, uh, physical mm-hmm. distancing or social distance has had really in the very nature of our friendships and our personal mm-hmm. relations. Well, I have to say, at least for some of my coworkers, I've been hearing back from them. Those who are parents, um, who have children, obviously, um, are saving quite a bit of money by staying at home. Um, one um, coworker in particular, she told me she's saving about fifteen hundred dollars wow, a month that's a lot. on gas, not having to come into yeah. work, on childcare nannies that have to step in when her and her husband mm-hmm. can't take care of the kids. So there's also a financial impact to staying at home, which could better the uh, family budget. Yes, but it everything has a yin and a yang, Everything right? has a cost, right? Yeah, because look at the impact that it has to the economy. Look at the price of right. oil, oil. I mean, it, it was it, it went to a negative uh, a few weeks ago. And to achieve this balance, Cecile, to have this balance where everything works in perfect order, there really has to be input from from everybody, whether it's paying a babysitter Uh, buying gasoline to come into work, whatever it is. Um, When one of those factors misses, it kind of kicks everything off balance, right? It's a rippling effect. And Mm -hmm. there's the unintended consequences, which can be negative. And there are Mm -hmm. those unintended consequences, which are very positive. Like you're talking about your coworker is saving money, Mm -hmm. uh, spending more time with the kids. But there's also consequences. And underneath all of this, the one point that I would want our listeners to to walk away with Mm -hmm. is, but... In this change, how do I grow as a person? How do I make different choices when the world has changed around me that help me, me personally as an individual, as a member of a family and a community, and how do I have to adapt? The also unintended consequences that are positive is the the benefit to the environment. Uh, the air is cleaner, mm-hmm. the, 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 the pollution is down, human connection is stronger. And on a, on a more personal basis, uh, I talk to a lot of people about how it is affecting them personally. I'm a person that mm-hmm. loves to connect. Human nature is, is my passion, but human capital is our business. And I had a very interesting conversation with Anya, who's one of my Okay, yeah, sure. Um, she lives in New York, mm-hmm. and she's been dating this wonderful gentleman for, for a few years. They don't live together, but they've been very much isolated because he has a career. He works for the uh, city of, of New York. So he's an essential worker. He's he is, out. He's mm-hmm. very much an essential worker, mm-hmm. and she has the pleasure and, and the privilege of being able to work from home. And what she has found out, she shared with me, that throughout this crisis, she has realized that when they talk, even if it's on the phone or even if it's they choose to watch a TV show together, he at his place and she right, at her right. place, <laughs> that the conversations are a lot more meaningful. She says, "We, I found that I don't want to have trivial conversation. I want to have deeper conversations. We, we talk about things that are important and we don't take each other for granted. We don't take for granted that I'm going to see him three or four days a week. So she feels that her relationship, the, the very what we would call intimacy, the personal mm-hmm. intimacy and emotional intimacy. Getting to know somebody. Much deeper. 
Indeed. Almost like when uh, we were back in high school or college, when there was no social media, there was no video conferencing, when a simple telephone chat was a way to get to know somebody and you could be on the phone for hours. Yeah, real conversation. Right. That was the thing we said. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we talked all night. Yeah. That doesn't happen. It's interesting you bring that up. Uh, in a recent article by the chief science officer uh, of Match.com, okay. this gentleman has had this uh, doctor, uh, cultural anthropology, I believe it is, or social anthropology. He has this role with them for 15 years. They recently polled uh, about six or 7,000 members and asked them what tools are you using? Um, how are you engaging um, since the shelter at home happened? And they were surprised at the number of respondents. And they all said that before the crisis, 6% of them mm-hmm. use video chat. Now it's 64% of them do video chat. But what they're also seeing and what he remarked is that the pace of getting to know each other is much slower. People are having deeper conversations. It's almost like we're going back to uh, a different way of of having a romance because mm-hmm. you have the time to spend. There's also not the awkward um, feeling of going out and who pays for the bill, who picks it up because there is no paying for the bill. Right. Uh, and so, so it's interesting that I think is a positive benefit. Granted, as as Sean, our producer, has pointed out to us several times, that there are also a lot a lot of quick connections that are happening online. But even that too, that is allowing people to express perhaps parts mm-hmm. of themselves that maybe they wouldn't in person. And we're going to be having a podcast on that very topic uh, very right. soon, which I think we're calling Swipe Left. Correct. That's right. And we're going to be talking a little bit. Uh, deeper into that just how how the dating world romance intimacy has all changed uh, because of the uh, the current climate that we're in because the changes uh, are are permanent uh, whenever we go through a crisis like this what i call those crucible moments in our mm-hmm. life even uh, those crises that are just uh, in our own particular life not globally like what we're experiencing now, it changes us forever. Um, we were talking about graduation, how the shelter at home has has affected the gradu- graduating class mm-hmm. of 2020. They will mm-hmm. forever remember their graduation because it was not able to be done that way we did when we graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think amongst ourselves, we all took a poll of what do you remember of your graduation, be it high school or, high school or mm-hmm. college. None of us really remember anything specific, but other than that, it was just really fun. It was a great party. Yeah, I remember mine. I graduated college in 1991. I remember our blue gowns. I remember standing in line to go into the uh, Miami arena at the time. And just the friends that were around me, the moment that we shared, it was just waiting for your name to be called. You crossed the stage. You took basically a fake diploma, which was later the real one was mailed to you. And you knew your family was in the audience. And I still have a memory of that. Yes, and uh, as do I. I graduated Mm -hmm. uh, college uh, a little before you, Juan, (laughs) uh, which will go on. Not that that much. (laughs) Well, uh, that's true. That's true. Thank you for that. Uh, but I remember it was just a sea of humanity. I remember telling my family, I'm graduating, you know, the School of Science and look for me. But there was probably like 7,000 <laughs> yeah, of us of that stood up. So you, it, it wasn't what we're trying to say. We don't have really deep emotional meaning other than the people that were there. Imagine these young people. Um, they remember the speeches. They remember not being together. They remember probably a whole lot of fear of how, where does my life go from mm-hmm. here? Um, so those are the things that I think it's important for us to think about and and ask ourselves how do we grow from here where do where do we mm-hmm. learn mm-hmm. and and how do we make the change be a positive change for the future we've talked about people being very adaptable as we're adapting to this new reality can we 
boomerang back to the way it was before? Are things going to be different no matter what? Well, I would say, Juan, do we want to go back to Mm. the way the things Mm -hmm. were before? Because the reality is there is no going back. When change happens, change is is energy and momentum going forward. Because even though you might want to come back, even though you, you believe that you can glue back together that piece of fine china that you broke, there will always be cracks in it. And in those cracks is how we have changed forever as a human being. And I think the more empowering way of thinking about this is when we go back to the now normal, not the new normal, because the now normal, the that now makes normal sense. Yeah. is how, what change are we going to bring to it? How much wiser are we from, for having gone through what, what we went through, uh, through social distancing and physical distancing. And I believe, because I, I'm a kind of person that always looks mm-hmm. at things uh, from a positive view and the silver lining. I hope that we will come back with a deeper understanding of what makes us thrive as human beings and mm-hmm. as co-workers. And I hope that we come back with a deeper sense of compassion and empathy and togetherness where we can no longer think of it as alone together, that popular hashtag, alone together, and just think of us as together irrespective of physical distance Mm -hmm. or not, how do we connect with people at a much deeper level? There's so many things that I miss, I have to say, from from times past. Just a simple waiting in line to get a table at a restaurant. Which we used to get so frustrated about. Right, 45-minute wait, what? What is this? (laughs) But but now there is no wait. Time is on our side, and I sure would like to go back to, to a nice restaurant. We can't wait to go back and wait. (laughs) <laughs> to, to go somewhere right. uh, it's it's true and so um again we have if nothing else we have learned how quickly as human beings we can adapt as business owners how quickly we can adapt and we have to adapt to remain relevant and and alive and in business the same thing as human beings both as uh, the workforce and as individuals we have to learn what we miss, Mm -hmm. what we truly value, what's really important to us, and how we balance work in our personal life in a way that is no longer a balance, but fully integrated, whether we have to be physically apart because that's the way our life changed or not, we have learned how to go back and access Mm -hmm. that deeper connection and stop uh, being so connected or we thought we were Mm-hmm. through the medium of technology. Now, big corporations, they already have a lot of these pieces moving uh, for the new normal once everybody mm-hmm. eventually does come back or doesn't come back. Those are big corporations. But for someone like you with a small business, have you thought of how you're going to make things different for your employees and the people who work for you so that everyone, again, feels safe in a work environment and everyone can still do their jobs to the best of their ability? Yes. Well, the first thing I did is I asked them what's comfortable for them. Okay. Um, And I think that that's important. Mm -hmm. Before, as a person who's run her own firm and and have had other companies, I'm used to making the decisions, I believe, and I hope my my staff would say that, that I am the kind of leader who Mm -hmm. brings their opinions into play. But the first thing I did is... If is say if I am very aware aware of how people are feeling about things, then I'm going to start with the, that point, asking them, "How do you feel? What, what do you want our re-entry to look like?" Um, and I'll tell you the one. What that, have you heard? Well, the one that was the most vocal, believe it or not, is Anya, who is running my New York office. Mm-hmm. She shared with me um, that 
it has had a positive, Okay. this COVID, for her uh, in terms of the relationship with the office. Anya used to be in this office before uh, she uh, moved back to New York to be closer to her mother, um, who is getting up there in age. And she said that, and I didn't realize this as, as a leader of the firm, that because of COVID and, and having regular Zoom calls with the, with the team, mm-hmm. she said, I get to actually see your faces. <laughs> oh, that's right. I get to, I feel like I'm much more connected and I never stopped and thought about that because mm. she's been with my firm for many years. I realized I missed that. I didn't catch that she needed something from she me. She needed a connection. She, she did. West Coast, East Coast. That yes. makes sense. And she needed that connection with the rest of the team. So the first thing I'm going to do and what I recommend everybody to do is to have open, honest dialogue with your team. Create pods of teams that within your organization, depending on the size, where people can share with each other what their fears are, what their concerns are, mm-hmm. um, the the structure of how they would feel safe coming back. So aside from, the, again, the tactical, the spaces, which we're lucky, mm-hmm. everybody sure. has their office, the cleanliness of the office, which again, we'll just have a, a person come in and do that more, which will be great because we engage our, our cleaning lady a little bit more. But Again, the hard work is on the feelings, and you can only get there by having open conversations mm-hmm. and ask the question before you start talking. Uh, ask the question and let them tell you how they feel. I have to say, I work for a big corporation, and um, my generation of, of coworker, especially being a man, I think we were just kind of conditioned to be very stoic. To you know, it's business. Yes, uh, feelings and emotions are, are not to be brought into it. And I have to say our managers have been from the get-go, even very early on when we didn't know how long uh, COVID-19, coronavirus, stay-at-home orders were going to be into place, the first things they did ask is, how are you feeling? I'd get an email. How are you feeling today? Please reach out. Are you comfortable coming into work? And I was thinking, wow, why do they care? Because this is my job. I need to come to work, right? But I have found myself a little more disarmed as, as, as a as a man in the workforce, where if I didn't feel comfortable a certain time, a certain day, um, that I could come up and, and, and say something about it and speak out. And in fact, just asking for a mental health day. We used mm-hmm. to call in sick just to call in sick and call that, oh, it's just a mental health day, I'm fine. <laughs> but you wouldn't let them know. They're actually encouraging mental health days. They want you to take a beat and, and take care of yourself. And that's great, and I yeah. applaud them for it. Um, yeah. McKinsey and Company, which is one of the world's leading consulting firms, mm-hmm. they are wonderful of, of ongoing research, which they pull from the world's leading CEOs and world's leading uh, leaders. Mm-hmm. And what they are showing is the companies that are adapting the best and the companies that are having the most success, which is was already there before the crisis, are those companies that automatically um, adopted this this open communication with their employees that created teams where they get to talk about what is the social distancing of, uh, doing to you? How do you feel mm-hmm. about things? And let's all talk together about how we're going to come back to to the workforce. And I think a, a, a great point that you made in, in sharing what you shared is it also, this the physical distance and the effects of of the crisis mm-hmm. is affecting every one of us differently depending on our generation, our social backgrounds, sure. our ethnicity, our cultural upbringings. Um, because some people were raised to feel everything you feel and, sh- and share it with everyone around you. And those mm-hmm. of us, like myself, I was shared, I was raised, excuse me, to 
share things with my close-knit circle of friends and my family, but beyond that, I put on a stoic face. Right, exactly. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's why, even as much as I, I love to engage with people, it's my profession, I miss that in my own company, among my own team. And again, I am far better for having gone through this very difficult time. And uh, I think I'm a better leader and I hope that it makes me a better leader. And I hope that it also has helped my team find their voice, find a stronger voice and and be more vulnerable at work. And whenever you share true feelings, what we used to call the softer skills uh, in the professional world, right? Your interpersonal skills. Whenever you allow yourself to really share that humanness that binds us all Mm -hmm. as a species, we all are better for it. I just don't remember a time where you know, through college or whatnot, where your feelings were encouraged. You know, it seems like the the younger generations, the millennials, they are definitely about sharing feelings and communicating. But for somebody in my age group, it was just, well, you know what? This is business. Uh, You you shouldn't, um, that doesn't matter what you're thinking. Uh, Get to work. That's right. And and that's actually uh, the topic of our next podcast is Mm -hmm. what this uh, social distancing and and physical distancing and and this crisis had on your professional life. Um, But if I think about when we first came out of college, you and I, Juan, when we were interviewing for a position, we never asked about vacation time. It no, was the culture. It was you have a job, consider yourself lucky, there's your desk, and that's it. But now all of that is is present in our mind because how we live and how we feel and how we connect with each other and the purpose that we each share in our work is very meaningful. And, and going back to McKenzie, they uh, have a wonderful research also that firms that are very purpose-driven where it the people know what their purpose of the work and why they, why they should mm-hmm. uh, all come together and do the work that they do, those are do, doing far better financially and especially during the crisis. All right, Cecile, as we come uh, full circle here on our uh, podcast uh, discussing, of course, uh, social distance, social distancing, um, there are a lot of pros that we've already discussed about it, but just as we wrap things up, I just want to say, uh, for myself uh, in particular, as I've stayed at home, I've, I've started to pick up things that, that I really didn't know too much about, um, that I've started to fine tune, such as cooking for myself, cooking at home, discovering new recipes. I was one of those people who was on the hunt for flour and yeast because I wanted to break big uh, bread at home, which I had never done before. Um, I've picked up uh, coloring pencils, ordered those online, and just been doodling. I love to doodle. Little things like that, um, that as I've been alone and I've been able to self-reflect, I, I, I have pulled a lot of positive things from it, and it's given me a chance to take a break and and, and look forward um, as you know, what's what's headed my yes. way? You know? and, and you are already a great cook, Juan. So I'm I'm excited to be able to share that with you when we're mm-hmm. able to to connect in person right. again. Uh, for me, um, from the negative, because it's important to acknowledge the the impact, the the things that were uncomfortable and difficult. How do we grow from that? Because the first thing that we should realize is that we can change. We have changed. Yeah. And we were we have to change. It's a must, right? right? And mm-hmm. we have adapted. To be human and to be alive is to, to change and adapt. No one stays in the same mm-hmm. place. Um, the other thing that I've really appreciated from this is I am a person that goes very fast in life. I prided myself sure. on having my schedule um, 
booked almost in 15 minute intervals. And I felt very much uh, as a person who was accomplishing things. I found great personal satisfaction and almost identity in the ability to just do so much. And what has been very difficult for me, aside from seeing the people that I love and the energy, is now being able to say, mm-hmm. am I really still this effective when I'm not doing a million things? And and I think you are, Cecile, because you're still you. That's um, right. People know what to expect from you, and you have a little extra time on your plate to make even better decisions, right? That's right. And so how do I become a better me? How do I become a better Cecile? And and that is by understanding the value that different people had in my life, understanding that I can slow down to speed up this very podcast, which I truly am enjoying. And it's something that I've always wanted to do Mm -hmm. is to share the knowledge of all the years in business that I've had and the wonderful communications that I had and I have every day with brilliant people uh, Mm -hmm. that lead this country with others so that we can understand as we go through difficult things in our life, how do we come out on the other side of that? What is that silver lining? And, And that silver lining is that we can adapt very quickly, we can change very quickly, how much we value just human connection and being able to see our friends or even the person at the coffee shop face to face every day mm-hmm. and how we can be physically distant but immediately adapt on how we become closer together as human mm-hmm. beings. Well, for me, this podcast, Cecile, has always been about awareness. Our conversations we've had over two decades, I've always hung up the phone wondering, wow, I wish I could share this information with a lot of people. This is actually great insight from you or just information that we've shared with each other. And here we are uh, passing this along to our listeners and hopefully they'll be able to share with us their experiences as well because uh, we're going to invite them to yes. write into us and ask questions, share their stories, and that we can include them in our podcast we, as well. We want to know how they've changed through the, this uh, shelter at home uh, order. We want to know what the crisis and the quarantine has brought up in, in, in their emotions and the way they've adapted. We are going to see, I think, at the end of this, a rise of new industries, of new creative ways for people to connect, mm-hmm. of new ways to um, go to concerts and, and go back to the Hollywood Bowl and, and share movies and share experiences. And every time that there is something that makes us stop and we feel like we go backwards, the truth of it is we propel ourselves forward. So how are you going to prepare, propel yourself forward as an individual? and a member of society because you have gone through this. So someone listening to this podcast, take the positive side of things, right? And and see all the positive uh, to what social distancing has brought to us because it's really made us think. Yes, and as I said, I believe that at the end of this, in that hashtag alone together, we can remove the part that says alone and just remain together. So how are we going to remain connected even when we're physically distanced? And how are we going to make richer, deeper connection and relationship with everyone around us and with the planet as well. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for listening to Ends with Z. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe at www.endswithz.com to get the latest updates from us. Also, email us with your questions or show suggestions. We'll be happy to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram for tips and insight as well. Until next week, make it a great day because above all else, you matter.